This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to episode 205. When I have a piece that I really like, that I think a lot, how I'm going to finish it so I don't take away the beauty of this piece, that's my biggest fear. Hand painting, yeah, I feel like it's trial and error. I just start and if I don't like it, I paint over it. Karina with the Housewarmings joins us today in our Uncovering Art segment. She discusses this very creative piece she refinished as one of Annie Sloan's painter-in-residence. You'll learn the details on this piece, her painting techniques, staging, and more. Danielle with Soulful Collection shares a tip on what to include with your custom furniture pieces. Stay with us, friends. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Happy New Year, friends. We hope you all enjoyed the holidays and were able to take some time off to be with family and friends. We are looking forward to growing this community together in 2023 with you, our refinishing friends. We're going to start the show off today with an important announcement. Then we will dive into our conversation with Karina in our Uncovering Art segment. Guess what? Today is the day that the 2022 Zebra Golden Brush Awards begin as we are now accepting entries in the following 10 categories. Artistic Close-Up clean and classic, dramatic makeover, farmhouse style, MCM, multicolored piece, new artist of 2022, repurposed piece, restored wood unpainted, and staging. To read a description of each category, make sure you go to enjoyzebra.com and check out the GBA page. This year, Fusion Mineral Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, and Sir Prep Sanding will be joining Zebra to offer incredible prizes. This year's international judging panel consists of Ashley Crew with Blue Ren Interiors from Australia, Chloe Kempster with Chloe Kempster Design from the UK, Fabby Brown with Blush and Ivy Design from the US, Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture from the US, Katie Cloud with Katie and Company from the US, Katie Scott with Salvage by K. Scott from Canada, and Lauren Schwachino with Portland Row Living from the US. Okay, Refinishing Friends, you are the first judges as you have to decide which pieces you will enter in each of the 10 category options. All entries must be refinished between January 1st, 2022 through December 31st, 2022. You have from today, January 4th through January 27th, 2023 to enter. Simply go to enjoyzebra.com and click on the tab at the upper right-hand corner that says Golden Brush Awards. Edgar Degas, the famous French Impressionist artist, once said, Art is not what you see, but what you make others see. Every day, thousands of furniture finishers are doing just that with their work, and every day we see unique, beautiful pieces of art that have stretched the limit of creativity, bringing art to new levels of inspiration. Uncovering these unique pieces is what this segment is all about. We are excited to feature another episode of Uncovering Art. These segments give us all the opportunity to explore a specific piece what makes it unique, and how the artist achieved the design. Uncovering the details, uncovering the art. Today we are uncovering a fun and creative piece painted by Karina with the housewarmings. This piece was Karina's second piece as Annie Sloan's Painter-in-Residence. We hope you enjoy. Hello Karina, how are you? I'm well, Lane. Thank you. Now, there was a massive storm that crossed the country this week uh, of this recording, of course. Were you guys impacted by it with snow? No, luckily not. It passed by, so it just 
drizzly rain and gray. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's what we had. Although last night we got a fair amount of rain. I didn't check the, the rain totals, but it was quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you, you're in Ohio, am I correct in, a, in that? Yes, correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you, what part of Ohio are you located in? In Cleveland, so we are right by the lake, and mm. we sometimes get the lake effect snow, but so far so good. I think we had snow in November, but I was out of town during that time, and I don't like the snow so much. I don't mind. <laughs> so, so it was good that you were out of town. Nice. Exactly. <laughs> now, Karina, you are one of Annie Sloan's painters in residence. Tell us what this is, uh, what it entails, and how it came about. So... To become painter, you cannot ask to be painter in residence. So Annie Sloan chooses herself painter in re- a painter in residence, and mm-hmm. uh, she goes. I actually don't remember really exactly what are the criteria for her, mm-hmm. but something that catches her eye. And um, so I got informed that I'm chosen as painter in residence in May, and then I. I was asked to finish five pieces and there are like, I have the creative freedom to do those. Mm -hmm. Then um, I paint them any kind of piece and then you stage them and you take the pictures of it. And so the staging is of course important and a good quality of um, photography. Mm -hmm. And then you send them in and then month, like uh, maybe every month they will feature a piece. I I can't actually say about um, the time, but they feature the piece on their social media and they might feature them in the Annie Sloan colorist, which Mm, is a great honor. And of course that brings um, lots of exposure and attention. Mm -hmm. Now, did you meet her? I did meet her. Yes, I met her the first time a few years ago before the pandemic at the Country Living Fair. And Mm -hmm. that was the first time I met her. And it is true what everyone says. You meet her and you feel like you know her already forever mm-hmm. and uh, so I worked I, I, I helped out at the fair a little bit and then I met her again at another fair and then I was invited just recently to the big paint weekend in New Orleans among mm-hmm. nine eight other painters mm-hmm. and that was a great honor to be there and it was so much fun so people could buy tickets to join this event and watch some well-known painters and ask questions and it was i i had a blast painting in front of other people and asking questions and meeting fellow painters who are amazingly talented it was Mm -hmm. great fun so what was that like having people watch you paint was that the first time that's ever happened yeah, in a way. I mean, I used to have a brick and mortar store and, and people would come by and watch me paint. But this is, of mm-hmm. course, a different story there. At first, I was a little nervous. I didn't know if I would feel comfortable. But actually, everyone was so nice and interested and asked the questions. And I just painted along. And it was lots of fun. I could do that way more often. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're so happy for you and excited for you that uh, you were chosen at Annie Sloan's Painters in Residence. uh, As you said, that's such an honor. Uh, Speaking of being one of Annie Sloan's Painters in Residence, we recently saw one of your pieces and took note of it because it's of its originality and beauty. We knew we had to feature it in our Uncovering Art segment here on the podcast. Thank you. I love what Sarah with Surrey Lane Holmes said in your IG feed. I don't know if you recall that, but she stated, I love how it moves. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that is such a great description of this piece. It's not static at all. It has this feeling of movement. Um, tell us about it. Actually, describe it for our listeners and then tell us the process that you went through to paint this beautiful piece. So before I started this particular project, I knew I wanted to have a piece with lots of surface and no details Mm -hmm. because I knew I wanted to hand paint something. And so I found this piece, got it to my studio, and it was not that I saw the piece and knew right away what I want to do. So I, I examined the piece at my studio and I realized that it had um, a chippy surface. The polyurethane was crackling and it had like heavy grain. Like it looked almost like the grain was washed out. It's a um, oak veneer. And at certain areas, it was so dry that the oak grain was dried out. So I knew that I I would do a more playful finish, nothing sleek and clean. And that's why I decided to do a natural stone look kind of concrete where I would layer the neutral tones. And I knew that I wanted to go for a mid-century modern design, but again, more in an artsy, playful way. And so I knew that I, right away, I knew the colors I would use for that, but I didn't know the design. And that came like bit by bit once I was working on the piece and did the the base code of the natural stone look, mm-hmm. then I knew that I wouldn't do I would wouldn't do like solid color of of shapes. Mm-hmm. I decided for the lines because it was different and and more playful. And this is not a piece that's in perfect condition, and that's why I feel like that kind of plays with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because when I look at the structural design of this piece, it has sort of a wonky uh, look to it. Mm-hmm. And um, the design that you incorporated into it, it just sort of brings this piece to life, you know, as we talked about earlier. So it's uh, it's it's so interesting when you look at a design, uh, a piece of furniture, and then you look what the artist does with it. Um, it's, it's such a reflection of their talent and skill when you can take it and it doesn't, doesn't look like two separate things, you know, your design versus the design that it was before. So it's like you embrace the design, but you lifted it up out of its sort of wonky state. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I feel like that comes like while working with the piece, you get to know the piece. And that's why often I start painting and then along the process, I, I know what I'm going to do. And with that piece, like after I was done with it and looking at, because I didn't like the doors have the, not the straight lines, it kind mm-hmm. of is um, curvy. And afterwards I thought, yeah, I feel like the wavy lines work with it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's you played that well. The, the base, uh, it looks like, is it some type of um, hairpin leg that was that on there before? Or is that something that you added? No. Um, so, I bought it and I knew right away that the base, I would not keep it, but I mm-hmm. exchanged that to the legs at the end because it's a heavy piece and I knew I would shove it around in my studio, move it, and just to make sure whatever I put on, it, it wouldn't break. Mm-hmm. And um, I usually don't do that, but with that heavy piece and all the moving, I did it because when you put the legs on 
at the last step, then I'm always worried that you're going to chip the piece after it's painted because you have to tip it over and then attach the legs. And um, especially with this piece, it's so heavy that I usually wouldn't do that. But in this case, I did it at the last mm-hmm. phase. Also because I knew I would exchange the the pulls and knobs. So and before I haven't chosen those, I wouldn't choose the legs. Mm-hmm. Are those hairpin legs or is that something no, a little bit different? They're like rectangle, mm. more sturdy legs. Okay. So when I'm looking at this piece and this design and what you did with it, my question is, how did you get from what was in your head to what we're seeing? Was that a process? Did you go from thumbnails to the piece? You mentioned earlier that you start, you work with the piece and you get to know it and that sort of helps you unveil the design that you're going to incorporate into it. But how did you get to this? Like, tell us a little bit about that, the creative process of this piece. Well, in, in this case, I had some ideas bouncing in my head. And yeah, there were like three different finishes I had on mine and I couldn't decide. And um, actually, it's more like a gut feeling. So I, I told myself I have to stop now, step away. And then the next day I went back to my studio, looked at it, and it kind of popped up in my head. And I guess it is like, I look around, I always scan my surroundings and I feel like I'm collecting impressions and they're mm-hmm. stored and they mm-hmm. come out nowhere, it seems like. And I think that was in this case. So as I said, I knew I wanted to do a natural look and the colors and that was it. That's how I started. Now, the design itself, how do you get it uh, on the piece? Do you start off with a, um, do you use a special pencil something to to sketch it out and then you paint it or do you actually just start painting it yeah to sketch it out i just use chalk Mm -hmm. and then later i use fine brushes and um diluted the paint a little bit with water because then it's easier to get the finer lines and then i just applied it with a um with a fine brush now I'm looking at it, uh, it's a straight on shot, so I'm not seeing the top, but I, I have looked at several other angles of this piece, and that design that I'm looking at that I see on the front also works its way over to the top, and I would imagine, I think, on the sides as well. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it goes around kind of, so it's like a full sort of bubble that goes around. Yeah, I love that. Now, did you sell this piece? Do you still have it? I still have it. I haven't promoted it yet. I haven't announced it yet that it's for sale, but mm. that will happen soon. Yeah, I got a feeling it won't last long. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Karina, how did you get started in the business of painting furniture? So we moved from Germany to the U.S., and that was 14 years ago. And then I was home with my kids and I enjoyed it. But at a certain point, I they became more independent and I had lots of time on my hand. And I uh, always loved furniture. And so I started to go to antique markets, buying furniture, painting it at home, became more and more. And then my husband was asking, what are you going to do with all the furniture? And it just came out that I'm going to start a business. And once I I said it out loud, I felt like I had to follow through. And (laughs) I I looked for a pop-up space and was lucky enough to find one. And then that's how it started. So uh, in my neighborhood, I started this small business and I was, I was, I'm so grateful for all the support I got from my community. And then after a year, I joined 
uh, with two decorative painters. They were selling paint, so we shared the space, and that was perfect. We inspired each other, and it was so much fun to work together. Now, when you look back at some of the first pieces that you did and then the pieces that you have most recently done, like this piece with uh, Annie Sloan's Painter-in-Residence, do you see a lot of change, or is your style pretty much been consistent? No, I think it has changed um, because I like to experiment with paint. And I feel like when you look at my Instagram feed, you see that I I experiment a little bit, not like crazy stuff, but I like to try out different finishes. And then in the beginning, I was not as experimental. That came over time that I tried out more things and, and enjoyed it so much. We're going to take a quick break now to hear from our sponsor. Megan DeLong with Magdell Design, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra Painting. Zebra paintbrushes are my absolute favorite and go-to because I can find one for every project that fits my needs, whether it's for my home or for furniture pieces. The specialty brushes just make it super easy to find one that fits whatever I'm working on. My go-to and my favorite brush by far is the fan brush, and that's because I can use it for round edges on a piece, but it also has really great coverage for the flat surfaces. And the little corner parts of the brush too work really well to get into the nooks and crannies. So I find it to be my all-in-one brush. I use it for paint and for top coats as well. So it's one of my go-tos and my favorites. Is there there any level of fear involved when you're hand painting these pieces? (laughs) It's more like when I have a piece that I really like that I think a lot how I gonna finish it so I don't take away the beauty of this piece. That's my biggest fear. Hand mm-hmm. painting, yeah, I feel like it's trial and error. I just start and if I don't like it, I paint over it. Mm. Yeah, you can always paint over. We've we've said yep. that often and so many others say the same thing. And they'll sometimes they'll say, well just sand it back, you know, if yeah. you don't <laughs> like what you have and and many people do that, right? I mean, it's not yes. the most desirable thing to go through those extra steps, but at least you know that when you lay the paint down, it doesn't have to be permanent if you don't, don't want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we were speaking about your design process, uh, and uh, I was just, uh, we had Heidi with Dingley Dell Creative on. Oh, yeah. And uh, she was telling us that often, you know, she's thinking about different designs, or if she's out and about and she sees something, she has a sketch pad and she will uh, sketch out a design. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something that she may use later uh, in another piece. Do you do you have anything like that to where you keep some of your, your inspirational uh, ideas so that you can go back to those? Or does it just always develop once you get the piece? I wish I would be more organized. I mean, I have some pictures in my in my on my phone but no i don't and i like to sketch out my pieces but i just just don't have the patience i'm just once i have a piece and i want to get started i just going to get started i think it would make sense to sketch it out maybe um just so you know what you're doing but i like to get started and just go ahead and paint yeah, I suppose that's just, you know, different for every artist because yeah. what you're doing mm-hmm. is working for you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not any necessarily anything that you need to change today. Um, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about kind of what's expected with the, the painters and residents, and you, you did, I heard you say staging. And so I always like to talk to artists that we discuss, um, 
their pieces with an, an uncovering art staging because staging is such a big deal when it's at that presentation mm-hmm. uh, level. Uh, do you enjoy staging? Is that a, is that? Oh yeah, I, I do like it a mm. lot. And um, but I think to my to to me, it, staging is less is more, mm-hmm. and I tend to always have plants in in my staging. I like to soften the look a little bit, and I think plants are perfect for that. Or natural things like tree barks. I have used. I sometimes I go running in the morning, and sometimes I pick up what's ours on the tree lawn. So you see me running through the neighborhood with some branches, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I like that. Yeah. Well, you're just you're collecting your things that you see that are going to be inspiration for you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> inspiration and, and things to you. So we'll know that when we see some of your staging, that uh, that was from the neighbor's yard. <laughs> right. Uh, that's fun. How long does it usually take for your pieces to sell on average? And I know this probably varies, but I, I say yeah. that because because just the fact that you do you're pretty you're you're bold and brave in the fact that you don't fall within a given style necessarily. You're always experimenting and trying. And I know a lot of folks will say, I'd like to be able to do that, but I'm afraid that it won't sell or that I'll have to wait forever for it to sell. Do you are you just patient or do you find that the market that you're in, where you're at in uh, Cleveland area, that your pieces, these unique pieces just sell really, really quickly? Well, it varies, as you said. Um, it, there were phases where I posted and it would sell the same day. And to my experience, Etsy is the best for that because then you have a broader um, clientele. And then I sold pieces through Etsy, but the shipping as many other uh, painters say is an issue and um, I used to use a website called uship.com and before mm-hmm. the pandemic that worked fine but since the pandemic started um, it doesn't work that well anymore because they don't have enough people for shipping mm-hmm. so now I'm a little hesitant to sell on Etsy I posted a couple pieces a few months ago but yeah I mean usually it, I don't have a problem selling through social media but mm-hmm. right now it's a little slower than usual. But I also have to say I haven't been much on on Instagram and posting stuff as I usually did because of the summer was crazy. I was busy with painting the um, paint and residence pieces mm-hmm. and then the trip to New Orleans and so on. But I, I will work on that more and hope I'm going to sell more again. And I what I do now also is I do consignment. Mm. So that uh, works well, too. Yeah, and speaking of shipping, I love the idea that uh, places like Etsy afford you the opportunity to reach beyond your current demographical mm-hmm. area, right? Because mm-hmm. some people are in small towns, and so they don't have the privilege of being in an area where they have a really, really broad customer base. It's unfortunate that there, and maybe there's something out there like this, but it's unfortunate that there's not a, a, a shipping company that that customers can go to and say, I'm buying a yeah. piece from Karina and I would like for to make arrangements for you to go pick it up so that for the artist, the artist doesn't even have to handle shipping. They can ship, mm-hmm. but it's up, you know, where you just direct the customer to this shipping um, website or app or whatever and say, hey, you will handle it from there. Because <laughs> yeah. I know that's a part of the concern. Concern, right, because you, yes. you sell a piece and you're also responsible for taking care of the shipping and you mm-hmm. don't know what it's going to end up like when it arrives. So it's always a concern. No, it would be perfect if the customer 
could handle that himself. Mm-hmm. And I think um, uship.com would work, but mm. just the limitations of employees right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Karina, uh, we really appreciate you sharing the details behind this lovely, very unique piece. Uh, we're excited to see what you continue to produce, not only as a talent, as an individual furniture refinisher in Cleveland, but also as uh, Annie Sloan's painter in residence. That's exciting. It is. Yeah. Thank you. You can find Karina on Instagram at the housewarmings. Today's refinishing tip comes from Danielle with Soulful Collections. Hey, it's Danielle from Soulful Collections. I've got a little tip. Anytime that you do a piece of custom furniture or you're selling a piece to make it a little more personal with your business, I always like to include a care bag with that. Inside of the care bag, I put a postcard that has my logo and name on the front. On the back of the postcard includes care instructions such as how to clean your piece and with what and how long the paint takes to dry or cure. Um, I also put my social media accounts and my email. And then I also offer those clients a 10% off coupon on that care slip for their future purchase. In the bag, I put a small container of touch-up paint and the maker and color on top of the lid. And I include a paintbrush and or sponge. And I always include something a little sweet. Uh, That might be a candle or a piece of candy or something like that. So happy painting. Thank you, Danielle, for sharing the details of your care bag you include with all of your custom pieces. Great idea. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing. Happy refinishing.